Hello and welcome to episode four of Crazy Pastors. I'm your host, Christopher Cass. And I'm your other host, Ronnie Marriott. Welcome to part four of the series that we have entitled Staff Infection. Today, we're going to talk about how do you know when it's time to leave? Great question. And something I'm fascinated about and talking to you about, Ronnie, uh, I don't think you and I have spent a lot of time digesting this question. I genuinely am interested to know your answer. What is your answer to how do you know when it's time to leave? Well, when people in your church start to tell you it's time to leave, <laughs> <laughs> that's usually a good sign. <laughs> okay, let's go back. Let's be honest. We've had, I'm sure all of us, quite a few people along the way suggested it was time for us to leave. So you can't listen to all the critics. Yeah. When they start sending you a list of churches that are open, that's uh, maybe a sign. <laughs> no, I mean, there's definitely, uh, you know, s- spiritual reasons, I guess, as well as practical reasons. And part of that really is, I mean, there's all kinds of factors that come into play here. Part of it is size of church, part of your vision. I think the overarching experience is when you start to feel like the vision that you had for the church where you serve maybe is coming to an end or realizing that there's another level it needs to go to and and you don't feel that's your call to take to that level. And so it it really does, I guess one way to explain it, it's not very specific, but when your heart and your vision begin to match another location more than it matches where you are, that's kind of the beginning stirrings of maybe my time here is an end. I mean, some folks serve at a church for their entire ministry. How much of that, though, can be attributed to the grass is greener on the other side of the fence? Well, some of it, but not necessarily the grass is greener. Let's get some specifics, okay? Mm -hmm. So as an example for you, and again, we've never really talked about this, you are in Dripping Springs, Mm -hmm. right? It's your first senior pastor role? It was. And in all of recounting the stories, I mean, it seems like that was just an awesome place to be. It was. It was. It was a great place. And, and that, you know, I was there for five years and started, it was a church plant. It was only five years old when I got there. And so beginning to establish some things, so you, we saw some growth, added staff, got it to a good structure, I think, to begin to continue to grow for years to come, plus in a growing area. So it felt like the church was at a point that it was going to be able to continue on. My heart, my, what excites me is transitioning a church, be able to come into a church, whether like it's from Baptist to yeah, Pentecostal, Pente- okay. typically, um, where usually it's like maybe struggling and needs a restart or, you know, just kind of needs to go in a different direction. So that's, that's kind of what drives me. I'm more of a fixer upper. Okay. So you're in Dripping Springs mm-hmm. and did Shady Oaks pursue you, give you the call? Did you talk to them when there was a transition happening there? Yeah. I mean, they reached out to me to say, Hey, we are wanting to reach younger families. We have nothing contemporary going on. We need someone to come in and lead a contemporary movement, so to speak, and to reach young families in our community. We have a pastor that's moving towards retirement, and so we need someone to come in. And we know they'd already realized we need to make some changes here. We need someone to come in and lead us that we trust through those transitions. And that's my heartbeat. I love leading churches through those experiences. So I hear you saying that there's a couple things happening in the life of a pastor as they're looking at making changes and where they where they're working at. One is that there is a, a realistic career path that we are on and that we move through, right? I mean, if you are straight out of seminary, you take the first position as a lead pastor, so you're typically going to be at a small church, and you are going to be there three to five years, and then you're going to move on. If the church hasn't grown, you're going to just naturally pursue, in most cases, the next size church to 
see whether you can make it there almost the same way. If I'm misstepping, no. uh, say something almost the same way I would think as I'm a high school football coach and I want to get to college. I want to be a lower division. I want to see if I can go to D1. And then sometimes <laughs> if you're big enough, yeah. you know, you end up going on to the NFL. Yeah. And some, you know, some pastors, that's kind of their heartbeat. And that's what they want to be able to do. And as your needs increase and your family grows and, and your experience grows, then you're more marketable towards a church that's maybe larger or different experience. And so they're looking for somebody like that. Okay. So is it okay for a pastor to look at his family and say, okay, I came to this church when I didn't have any children. Now I have four or five children, Hmm. and the church has not grown significantly since I've been here, nor has my salary. I mean, is it okay for a pastor to think along those lines that, man, I've got to provide for my family somehow. This church is not going to be able to support our needs. I need to go to a church that can support it. I think it's perfectly fine. I mean, you know, our first group of people we minister to is our family. And honestly, if your family's struggling, if you're struggling financially, it is going to impact your work. And you have a great work ethic, and you want to do your best, but... You're having to worry about bills and finances and kids, and especially if the you know a kid has an illness or something. And the church, though, wants to, would love to, most likely, to be able to to support you financially, and that it just can't. And so that plays a part. And then you know, we don't, <laughs> pastors don't want to talk about that, but it does play a part. And I don't think that's bad. And it's not to denigrate the no. church that can't not afford, right? Just be realistic about but it. But it, there's a realistic thing. We have a friend here who recently, uh, he served a smaller church in our region and had an opportunity to go to another state yeah. and take over and lead a larger church. And it's hard to discourage someone from doing that right. when it's actually, I mean, it, it's impacting to the family uh, in a lot of ways, the opportunities it opens up yeah. for school, for your children. I mean, all kinds of things. Yeah, and just to enlarge your influence as well. Okay, so something else I hear you talking about is the issue that, and you and I through the years have used this phrase a lot, that if there is something that is yearning in your heart yeah. to come alive, yeah. and it's not being allowed to come alive in your current context, yeah. then let's trust that God has placed that within your heart. And if you don't do something to change your circumstance to allow you to grow, yeah. I mean, that's really, that's on us, right? Yeah. And, you know, it seems like even now with pastors, I mean, really those long tenured 20, 30 year pastors, you don't hear that much anymore. And it's almost like we talk about doctors becoming more specialists used to have your general practitioner and your family doctor, but now you, you're seeing more and more specialists. And I think that's true of pastors. There's a certain tool set that a pastor has that applies in maybe even a different context, or as that tool set begins to grow and add more to it, it is more desirable in a different location. And that's part of understanding who you are and what you do well and giving opportunity, like you said, to let that, what makes you come alive, let that come out. And it may not be able to do that in the context you're in. In a multi-pastor context, so larger churches, when you say the word pastor, more mm-hmm. times than not, I hear you saying lead pastor, yeah. right? Yeah. But now we're in a multi-pastor size church, and uh, so you have staff pastor, senior pastor, you know, the whole, all that kind of stuff. Sure. Do you think that there's a different level of responsibility or there are different criterias on when to leave for placed on a senior pastor versus like we have a student pastor? And we know, at least in the Southern Baptist world, student pastors typically stay at a church two years is the kind of the average right now. Yeah. Um, so you just kind of expect movement there. Yeah. Should we expect less movement in the senior pastor role? I'm sorry, lead pastor lead pa- role? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, it's maybe not two years. You know, that's a, that's a little soon. But 
it, it really depends on each context. If you're able to establish the vision you feel God's given that church and you've played your part, you know, there's no time limit on that. But maybe moving not quite as frequent as other positions, because there's not, <laughs> if you consider a hierarchy, that is at the top where some ministers are cutting their teeth in different ministries but desire to go there. So really, it's individual, I think, in each context, in each individual, what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, probably two years is a little short yeah. um, for a lead pastor, yeah. right? Now, there is, there's grace. Grace abounds in all these things. Sometimes you may follow a pastor who has been serving for 29 years, yeah. right? And we know statistically two years is the survival of most pastors following a long-season pastor like that. Yeah, 18 right? months to two years. Yeah, I mean, so some sometimes that happens, but then also sometimes you just realize and discover that you're not the right fit. Yeah. And uh, hopefully those are just real, honest, candid conversations with church governance Yeah. to determine that. But sometimes that happens. Yes. In general, though, the senior pastor, lead pastor role, the, the overseer spiritually for the entire community of faith, probably needs to be more seasoned than our corporate America standards for transition. Sure. I mean, it takes, especially coming in, and if you follow a long-term pastor, estimates, you know, four to seven years before you become that pastor, uh, taking over from a a long-tenured pastor. So it takes several years just to establish yourself and the vision God's given you. And, you know, to cut that short, then it just kind of keeps that church in a tailspin. And again, it kind of comes down with vision, though the vision may not be realized in that first five years. Do you see that potential that it is going to get there and you, you need to stick it out? There is something to stick it out to itness, right? That, uh, that shows some validity in the vision and in the person. In Paul Tripp's book, Lead, yeah. there's this great, at least for me, there's this <laughs> There's this great phrase that he uses in there that if you have committed to a life of ministry, you've committed to a life of suffering. Yeah. Gosh, that's so hard to accept. Yeah, right? I hate that line. This is supposed to be just a marvelous, joyful experience to lead the people of God. Yeah. Yet, unfortunately, if we look through the Bible, I mean, we have a lot of suffering <laughs> leaders yeah. uh, that did great job. There was joy in it, right. but there's always suffering. Yeah, and a lot of times it's short-term, and it's not always the case, but a short-term pastorate, there's, there's problems. There's some issues there, even with the pastor or the church itself. And like I said, it's not a good fit. And there may be some more dysfunction that uh, they realize when they get there that this is a lot worse than I thought. Okay, let's talk about our segment today of Go, No, Go. Let's this is the part of our show where we highlight movies, books, podcasts, other resources that we have found helpful or inspiring. Yes. And maybe sometimes some that were a complete waste of time. <laughs> Today, Ronnie, I know you yeah. we're going to talk about a documentary. So yes. I'll let you start first. Yeah. Uh, it's called The American Gospel. Hated it. Oh, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Three snaps and Z formation. Um, yeah. So it's very interesting, mainly kind of centering on the, the whole prosperity doctrine, prosperity gospel as it's lived out in our country. It's narrated by Benny Hinn's nephew, who was in that movement and then saw the dangers of it and got out and really kind of taken a stance against it. It's just very eye-opening to some of the stuff that goes on in churches and ministries in our country and just this major emphasis, sometimes subtle, on prosperity and sometimes very blatant on prosperity and just the deception and the evil that takes place by some of these ministries. And it's scary to some degree and eye-opening uh, is how many people follow this stuff. And it is rampant, and it's in every community, you know. It's not just these big ministries. It's in smaller ones as well. So it's it's great, 
great thing to watch. It's a, it's an absolute must-see, yeah. right? So we made it mandatory. All, everyone on our staff has to watch that movie. And I think part of what's what's fascinating to me in the American gospel is how much, as a culture, we have just accepted the fact that this is all okay. Yeah. Right? And so, like, I mean, I grew up, you know, listening, watching some of the stuff online. Or I'm not online, on the television. Yeah. yeah. Right? And... Uh, some of the best teaching I've ever heard. Like I, I remember telling you, I heard Benny Hinn do a Bible study on TV, yeah. and he crushed it. It was rich. It was had yeah. depth. It was so. It was just. It was really fantastic. Yeah. And then at the end, <laughs> with just a few sentences, he shifted the entire meaning of everything he had said previously. Yeah. Distorted the word of the Lord, yep. and it was blasphemous. Yeah. There's just enough truth in there you know, to get you hooked, and then they spin it or twist it or distort it for sure. And it's, you know, for people who don't are not aware, but even for educated, it's it's very deceptive. Great, great documentary. Uh, second one was good, American Gospel 2. two. Yeah. American Gospel 1, though, that's, that's the winner that's for the better, sure. Better of the two. Yes. Right. Agreed. Great resource. Uh, the resource I want to talk about today is a book. Surprise, surprise. Mm. This book was written by Daniel Pink. He's written several other books. Matter of fact, one that would go great with the other side of church. Yeah. We should pair those together at some point. Yeah. This book is called Drive by Daniel Pink. The reason I want to mention to it, and it's a big winner for me, because uh, it's actually a resource that I'm using with other church staffs and talking through the change in the employee-employer relationship that's occurred over the last 10 years or so, Hmm. uh, especially become much more evident uh, in the COVID age that we're in. And uh, Daniel Pink just talks, the whole book identifies that there's been three types of motivation that have occurred throughout all of history. You have motivation 1.0, which is just basic survival, procreation, shelter, and food. Motivation 2.0 was really the height of that was in the 80s, and that is the maximizing reward, minimizing punishment, (laughs) right? So make as much as you can, you know, without going to jail, that kind of stuff. Then now we're in a whole new stage. So many of the executive pastors that I've I've hung out with, uh, other church leaders, really are struggling at some level of leading millennials uh, and younger now, right? Younger than millennial. And so this book really identifies uh, an interesting pathway. I don't want to give the entire book away. I'll just say this. There are three things that people want more than ever from their work. Hmm. One is a pathway to mastery of something. They want to leave a workplace being an expert at something. Uh, the second is purpose beyond the self. They genuinely, even non-believers, want to work at a place where they're genuinely doing something good for the world. And then the third is autonomy. This is the one that is the most challenging for us as executive leaders and church leaders. Uh, it's very challenging. People want autonomy in how they do their work and when they do their work. Uh-huh. And as an old guy, mm. that is hard to wrap your mind around. Yeah. Right? Well, anyway, great resource. I found it tremendously helpful, and I've been leading a lot of other conversations with other executive pastors about it. So it has nothing to do with cars? Drive. It has nothing to do with okay. cars. Um, yes. I'm unlike prob- the movie Rush. I'm probably out. So. Which had nothing to do with music. Rush Hour 2. Oh. Oh, come on, man. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, the band. Oh, yes. 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 Okay, so that was Go No Go. Now, Ronnie, we've been talking this podcast about 
Uh, how do you know when it's time to leave? There's a couple things in a, from a housekeeping standpoint. I don't think we've touched on that we need yeah. to. Okay. Uh, the first is, what do you do and, and how do you handle when you are in what would be considered an unethical, immoral, or really perhaps just abusive leadership environment? How do you process that? How do you handle that? Yeah, I think definitely confrontation with the person who is being unethical. Hopefully, you know, I mean, you can kind of apply Matthew 18 here, I guess, and going one-on-one, that's been offensive to you. And so we need to call that out. We need to deal with it rather than sweep it under the rug or rather than going and having those parking lot meetings where you're talking about the person, never talking to the person. But if you recognize something unethical, you have a responsibility to address that with the person. Again, if they don't respond positively, then you can start to bring the groups in. But that's the, the easy thing is become passive aggressive and talk about the person hoping somehow that's going to change things, and it, it doesn't. If the Spirit has made you aware of something happening, most likely that's a part of His call for you to do something about it. So if your boss is doing something that is inappropriate, unethical, immoral, if you are being asked by church leadership to do something immoral, unethical, or you are being you're having things done to you, and this happens oftentimes from an, an HR compensation job duty type thing where Mm. people can really be railroaded into situations. The worst thing you can do is nothing. Yeah. Right? If we look at all of the, if you look at the landscape in the fall of Christian leaders over the last 24 months in our country, right? We know the worst thing in the world you can do is say nothing. Yeah. So Matthew 18, though, it's not like you write the New York Times, right? (laughs) I mean, you go... You go to the authorities within the church and you address it first. But you and I both would agree that whether it's, if it's a lead pastor, your boss, or even a board at a church that is walking the gray line, then those are warning flags for you to consider a change. Yes, there are much deeper issues. If you're recognizing that, there's so much probably going on behind curtain under the surface that is detrimental for the whole church. It's that old saying that if you see one mouse in your house, (laughs) do not think there's just one. Yeah. Guaranteed. There's many, many more. Yeah. Hey, one other area as we close up this session, uh, the previous session we talked about quality of life a little bit. Yes. Uh, just to bring it home to this issue on leaving, it's it's interesting that so many times in the corporate world, you evaluate your career path decisions really based upon yourself. Sometimes if it requires a move to a different city, you talk about it with your family. But there's not really an engagement between you and your family in the corporate world and your corporate work. Yeah. Right? Now, in the church, it is all spaghetti. (laughs) It is all mixed together. Right. Right? So what do you say about what if your spouse is not enjoying the place that you serve. Have you ever experienced something like that? Have you heard of people that experience stuff like that? Sure, yeah. You know, there's been an emphasis the past few years on pastor's health, and churches is focusing on that, not so much on the pastor's spouse. But you are a team. You're not hired as a team. Spouse usually doesn't get paid for your ministry, but you're definitely a team. And so if that part of that team is not happy, that's definitely reason to consider. First of all, why? What's going on? Can things change? Or is it the culture, the atmosphere, uh, the attitude of the church? We could really care less about the spouse. And if that is the case, then it is not healthy to stay and continue to expose your spouse to that kind of environment. There is somebody I want to brag on here for a minute. Uh, Her name is Robin Marriott. (laughs) And Robin has a serious passion about caring for pastors' uh, spouses. Yes. And she's brought that here to this church. 
And I can tell you from my wife's perspective, other staff wives that I've heard, that uh, it means the world to know that they are being cared for, prayed for, uh, little gifts that are given throughout the year, whether it's yeah. you know brunches and stuff. There's just something going on to value and honor our spouses because typically they're a little bit ignored, perhaps. Yeah, and a lot of times it just takes one person to champion that. It's sometimes just people aren't aware. They don't think about that. You know, so it's not ill-intended at all, but someone. Now, you would like for it to be a, a layperson, a church member, right. that has that same passion. But if not, then, you know, a staff member, a pastor's wife or something kind of leading that charge is perfectly fine. All right. Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Crazy Pastors. As always, if you have a Crazy Pastor story to share or you would like us to discuss a specific topic, please email those to crazypastors at org. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. 